Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. And I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. This is the last uh, recording session that we get to do in the month of September. Next week is somehow October. I don't believe it. I don't like it. It's fine. How are you, Keith? I'm doing good. I'm actually excited to start busting out my fall clothes. I got like this orange sweater I like to wear, and I can bring out my my, my fall boots because that means I don't got to worry about wearing like other shoes for like a good like three months and everything. So I'm happy. I dislike going outside in any measure. So as long as I'm slightly <laughs> warm on my commute to the office, I guess I'll be fine. That's the priorities and everything. Yeah, as as one does, as one does. And as is tradition here on This Week in News, ever since we started it earlier this year, which is still a fun sentence to think up, it's time for more Mad Libs of News Headlines, because reality continues to just deteriorate in front of us, and sometimes we just have to stare at these headlines and being like, what? What is this? How did this happen? Okay, I guess I'm okay with it. You ready, Keith? As ready as I will be, per usual. First off, we're going to do a nice simple true and false for you. You can now take a rest at the latest Bear B&B as CNN reported that illustrator Kim Raymond is hosting two one-night stays at the real-life location that inspired the 100-acre woods. Did you come up with Bear B&B? No, no, that, 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 that was on the headline. I, I swear it was CNN. Promise you. Well, good pun to whoever came up with that. I kind of love it. Um, I'm going to say yes, only because, like, that's too good of a pun to waste. <laughs> you are you are indeed correct. So, uh, fun fact, uh, Kim Raymond is the illustrator of Winnie the Pooh. If you did not get that from the 100 Acre Awards, uh, apparently you can stay in, the, in a place that was, like, in the place that inspired the whole locale. So th- that's neat. That's cool. I would like to stay at a place that somehow inspired an ecosystem that could take, like, a bear, pig, kangaroos, and donkeys, and tigers to all exist in the same place. I would love to see what in the world that was. I think it's just a woods man, but okay. <laughs> a tiger and kangaroo? I mean, they were stuffed animals, right? Like, that, that was the whole metaphor, was like Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, yeah, you're right. Never mind. In, in, in any event, in any event. So... Uh, this one's going to be a slight departure. Rather than uh, doing like a is this true, is this false, this is a guessing game. Because Nintendo announced the cast for their Super Mario movie, and oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. There's just so much here. So, can you guess the casting based on the clue that I have provided for each of the characters? So, you ready, Keith? Because this is going to be interesting. I am, I am just hopefully I can go at least 500 here. Alright, hopefully, hopefully. So, casting of Mario, your clue is the weakest Chris. Thankfully, this blew up enough that it came into my timeline, so I know and I do agree this is indeed the weakest Chris. This will be Chris Pratt. I don't... Who let this happen, Keith? Who let this happen? He had the nerve to go on video telling me, like, it's a me, Mario. That's not my Mario voice. Don't worry, we're working on it. Like, that's not giving us much faith, sir. Oh, God. I just... I don't don't understand. Alright. 
So, the casting for Princess Peach, it, the clue is chess. Um, so I'm just gonna go with someone from the from that chess show that came out recently. Yeah, no, you you are correct. So Anna Taylor Joy is indeed the voice of Peach. She was the star of the Queen's Gambit. You yeah, are. I still haven't watched the Queen's Gambit, so I'm just having somebody on that show. Okay, so so here's the thing. You should also watch the Queen's Gambit for reasons we will talk about later, but also because it's basically a sports anime in live action. Okay. What's all I know is someone told me about like what happens to the kids. I'm like, I don't know if I'll have time for that right now. I'm I'm just saying it. It's basically like what if sports anime but live action chess. That is okay, that that's, is the energy it carries. That's actually a great sell. Thank you. So, um, all right. So for Luigi, your clue is who is Pepe Sylvia? I don't know who that is. You're not familiar with the meme either. No. No. Uh Sorry, I'm ahead, man. Uh, okay, I will give you a different clue, I guess. Um, is this an actor that I would actually know by name? I I feel like he's fairly recognizable. He's been in he's been in a ton of stuff. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, Pacific Rim, okay, the wait, Lego so Movie. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Then, yeah, the guy who they have meme with all the strings on the wall. Like yeah, the person. That yeah. guy, Charlie yeah. Day. Yeah, that's the one. See, you okay, got cool. There. there we go. Yeah, sorry, I didn't know the meme, but yeah, I got that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Peppa Sylvia's the name on the roll behind all of the strings and all of that stuff, so. Oh, yeah, I thought she never watched that show. It's, you're fine. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a comedy. It is something that exists. Anyways, so, the voice of Bowser, your hint is, this is not the greatest song in the world. This is just a tribute. Is that Sir Blackjack? Yes, yes. You, you, you invented the name, but yes, that is indeed uh, Jack Black is the voice of Bowser, which is actually inspired casting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm very curious who he does with that. Yeah, that one that one I get. That one I'm I'm fully supportive of. Um, still stuck on Chris Pratt being Mario. Never gonna get over that one. All right. Your clue for Toad is A-A-Ron. Yeah, now nah, I'm kind of scraping the bottom. Like, I, nah. I feel like I got three out of four so far. <laughs> I'm just going to let you tell me this one. Uh, this is Keegan-Michael Key. Oh, oh, I get that now. Good hint. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be creative for what I'm giving you. Not trying to give it away entirely, but like trying to use like benchmarks and things. But yeah, uh, he's going to be the boss of Toad, which, sure, I guess. I don't, I don't right. know anymore. This movie is just very, very odd in its, its celebrity talent. Thankfully, it's animated, but again, like I feel like we should start casting voice actors for this stuff instead of just big name actors. But hey, that's a different podcast. I mean, also true, but then sometimes it's sort of like Ildris Elba is going to be Knuckles, and so it's like, okay, sure. And then on the other end, you sort of like Chris Pratt as Mario, and then we're still going like sort of like who asked for this? <laughs> no one. I mean, the Mario the Republican. I mean, let's not. You know, probably, not, not, actually. Not, not right now. Not right now. Not today. All right. That's Tommy's got... episode. Mario the Republican? Oh, good God. Good God. I'm not. I, I do not condone this. I do not support this. We're going to move on to the final clue. So, the voice of Donkey Kong is an executive producer for Invincible, The Boys, Future Man, and Preacher. Okay, so, like, I would have been very confused at first, because, like, I was thinking very different people. But once I heard The Boys and Preacher, I went, oh, this is 100% Seth Rogen. Which I'm like, you know, I've never heard Donkey Kong talk. So, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, 
Fair. Yeah. No, I I don't I don't know what's going on there. Because like one of the <laughs> other like casting announcements is of like they announced the uh, voice for a character called Spike, who has apparently been established in the Morio lore, but like the deep Morio lore from like the inception of the character. Oh, so wow. who who knows what's happening? But I also just wanted to take a second and just look at what Seth Rogen has managed to produce because it is a wild catalog of content. Um, yeah, and like these are, I mean, all hits besides Future Man, which I have heard mixed results about. Yeah, yeah, mi- mi- mixed is is the best way to frame that. But like Invincibles was great. Boys is. Not as good as Invincible, in my opinion, but that's never here nor there. And I enjoyed Preacher for what it was. So, yeah, same. So that is the cast of Super Mario Brothers. Uh, you could have gotten all of those, I think, if you you fought a little. But you got you got you got above the five hundred that you were hoping for. So, yes, I'm proud of myself for that. So, all right. Here's a final traditional round of Mad Libs of actual thing or am I lying? The Netflix edition. You ready? Escape the Undertaker, an interactive movie featuring WWE's The New Day as they try to escape from the mansion of The Undertaker. Um, I have not heard about this as a possibility. So I'm going to say yes because I want it to happen. Well, you're in luck. It's coming. Yes! Out, so. Yeah. That makes me so happy. Also, shout out to Big E, the current WWE World Heavyweight Champion of the World, because he cashed in. You know, the wonderful moment that everyone's happy about. But I digress. <laughs> yes. And now we move on. The Tiger King. Season 2. Yes, that's the thing, because I yeah. was very confused when I saw it. Still still very confused now. Never it's not, not Like, confused. Are we going even deeper into the tiger lore? Like, the first season was lightning in a bottle. Like, It was a very obscure thing with very interesting characters and like a story that you could tell from beginning to end. And also, we all learned about this obscure thing. Like, wait, there are that many tigers in this country? But like, that's not going to happen again. I mean, the bottle of lightning came from the fact that it was the one weekend before the world ended, so we were all just sort of like, sure, I'll watch this, and then yes. everyone took that sort of like, oh, they want more of this, and the answer was sort of like, no, we just want to be able to go outside again. <laughs> Pretty much. Alright, moving on. The Tinder Swindler, a prolific con man posing as a billionaire playboy, and the woman he swindled are featured in this Netflix docuseries. I want this to be true just because I love the title Tinder Swindler. Well, again, you will once again in luck because this Woo! is indeed a thing that's happening. <laughs> Next up, Bad Vegan. A restaurateur falls for a man who convinced her that her food empire could become limitless and her beloved dog could become immortal, but on one condition. She does everything he asks without question. Well, that's scary, first and foremost. But, um... I'm going to say this is false only because I feel like this is a combination of like a Lifetime movie and a very non-Lifetime movie and the name Bad Vegan sounds fake. It sounds fake, but this is, again, something that is actually happening. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Okay, Uh, no no further comment on that one. Yes, And then finally, Trust No One, The Hunt for the Crypto King. A group of investors turned sleuths tried to determine the suspicious death of cryptocurrency millionaire Gary Cotton. Yeah, yeah I'll go with yes. <laughs> yeah. So those uh, last four are part of Netflix's docu-crime series that are coming out over the next couple months into 2022. So all of these are real. I was and about to say, these it, are all a thing. 
Yeah, yeah, all of these are happening and have happened, crucially. <laughs> these are not just happening, these are inspired on true events. Just well, so you know. We have too much content. It's, it's, it's a weird time to be a human. That wraps up this segment of Mad Libs and News Headlines. Let us take us back to a regularly scheduled news programming. What do you got for us, Keith? Uh, what I have is more wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey things. And yes, I do love saying that at every opportunity that I get, including this one. So if you're even half interested in Doctor Who content and were remotely active on social media this past week, you probably already know what I was about to share, but we'll share it just in case. Shockwaves were felt across the Hooniverse when it was announced that following the departure of current showrunner Chris Chibnall, we'll see the return of none other than Russell T. Davies. Davies, of course, was the showrunner for the revival of the series back in 2005 that saw Chris for Eggleston take on the role of the Ninth Doctor and then David Tennant appears everyone's favorite Tenth Doctor and he then left the show in 2009 and he was followed by Stephen Moffat. So Jodie Whittaker and Chibnall recently announced that they originally already made a pact to do three seasons of the show together and then lead together, which they're holding true to, as there's one last season left to come out in 2022, along with a couple of specials. So Davies coming back has a lot of fans really excited because arguably that time period is kind of the peak of Doctor Who and his current reiteration and everything, although I would argue it's been consistently good the entire way through, but that's a matter of opinion. But 2023 will also recognize the 60th anniversary of the series, which kind of makes this all feel like it's coming full circle and it's really nice. Mikhail, what are your first takeaways from this? I still haven't watched Doctor Who. Oh my god, so we need to run into this. Like, don't we have a running list of, like, things that we all need to do as, like, hosts of this show? Like, I need to go ahead and read all the books from the Percy Jackson series. You need to watch Doctor Who, because it's on HBO Max, so please dive into that. And Victoria has to do all the things. <laughs> but see, like, Doctor Who feels like 17 different things, because how many, how many episodes all there. It's a British show. They're short seasons. But but those those eight hundred sixty two episodes are good on the Wikipedia. Okay, time out. First of all, first of all, like as far as this conversation goes, while it'd be wonderful if you did, I haven't done it myself. All you gotta do is start with the revival. So that's the two thousand five series. Yeah, start with two thousand five with the ninth doctor because that is a perfect jumping end point and everything. Because like the show started back in like the sixties and everything was not meant to be what it became. Then it stopped going on TV. They made a couple movies for like 10, 20, 15 year span. Then like two thousand five, I'm like, hey, the doctor's coming back to TV, and we got Christopher Eccleston and the TARDIS and Rose and all that good stuff. And that is then branched off to what we have now. So start it's with two thousand five version, you're good. That's still a hundred plus episodes. That's a lot you've, of TV. You've done that before. Yeah, yeah. But do I want to do it again? <laughs> for Doctor Who, you do. Okay, so this this is what I'll say. I know I would probably enjoy Doctor Who if I ever got around to watching it, but there's also a bunch of like current media that I want to stick up with. And crucially, there's so much anime going on right now that I'm behind on so many things I want to be caught up on. So, uh, one day, once I have a time machine, I can dial that's time. That's fair. Yeah, so. that's fair. Which I said, I said, or even like I said earlier, there's too much content out there right now and all that. But, like, far as Doctor Who goes, like, I guess I'll take a couple minutes to talk. Well, not even that long. I guess take a second to talk about how much, like, I enjoy it and everything. Like, I think what I've realized is that Doctor Who, for me, is what Star Trek gets for a lot of other people. That's how I get my, like space travel and time travel and everything like familiar characters and like deep lore and all that stuff out and everything because like I kind of miss the Star Trek wave despite like people in my family all being Trekkies and all that like I just never picked up with it but Doctor Who is a show I started watching my grandmother which I still hold affectionately for that very reason and it just kept on going and like it's I argue 
one of the there's actually three that said this someone said that russell t davies is one of the best screenwriters that we have going to work on or returning to one of the best well-written shows that we have because writing wise from its inception until now doctor who is an incredibly written show like just the fact that you they wrote into this like, in the 60s or i think at least when the show came out that the main character can go away and come back as someone new that's perfect the show can go on forever and ever you're fine to go that way but then there's also like the fact that you can have any kind of setting you imagine because they're traveling anywhere in space and anywhere in time which means you can come up with any possibility and they can go there if they haven't been there already so it's wonderful from that perspective and all that but Dave's coming back I think is really cool it's got a lot of people excited because while I appreciate everything that we got from Stephen Moffat and from Chris Chibnall like like I said earlier I feel like a lot of the best that we have with Doctor Who like the moments we go back to came from this and like and to be fair I would say that out of three showrunners for Doctor Who since it's come back, all three of them, I think, have had, like, interesting, like, their hits and their misses as far as, like, stories go and all that because it's, like, a wide band within, like, higher shot volume, not even going to drop. But this is still good. Like, I appreciate all the showrunners for where they all bring something different, but, like, I definitely have noticed that there's been a subtle or not-so-subtle shift in content and tone and all this. For example, like, with uh, Chris Chibnall's version, this version of Doctor Who definitely taken on more of a like earthbound grounded approach in my opinion versus before we like we were traveling all of space and the stars and different planets and all that good stuff and that was interesting. So we have a full season left of Jodie Whittaker and Chibnall's season of Doctor Who, which I'm excited to see and catch up on. And then after that, we're going back to the Davies world, y'all. Buckle in for that. One last note, just because we're on the the topic of sci fi series that like are near and dear to our hearts. Uh, that's Star Wars for me, and I just watched the first six episodes of Star Wars Visions last night, and I'm still an emotional wreck, and if you haven't watched Star Wars Visions, you owe it to yourself to do so pretty much immediately. Oh good, I've seen that trending in places and everything, so I didn't know what it was, but now I do, so it's on my list. It's, it's nine episodes of Star Wars stories done by various anime studios. Oh, oh that's like anthology-ish? Yeah. Yeah, very anthologist. Um, you that need to watch perfect. it immediately. Uh, the longest episode's like thirty minutes, and most of them are like fifteen twenty. So it's a, it's an emotionally devastating watch. So <laughs> okay, I'll buckle in for that. And it's anime too, which means it's gonna hurt even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's also so gonna what... look really good. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a great point. That's exactly what anime is. It hits you deep in the heart, but it looks wonderful. All right, Let's take that, a we'll short take a break. break. On the same wavelength today. <laughs> <laughs> that we are. I don't know how this keeps happening, but it's the Emmy Award season and me and Keith are once again recording an episode together. Uh, so I think we can skip past the usual, like, what are awards good for? Do we even care about them? And just skip to the sort of like, this is what we think about a variety of things. Sound good? That sounds good to me. Okay, excellent. Uh, we're gonna touch on this because it's still worth uh, touching upon, but wow, the winners of the acting awards are just so aggressively white. So aggressively white. Oh god. That's all I got there. Uh, Ted Lasso is really good. That definitely did deserve the best comedy series by 
by far, I would say. It's just really great. Um, that said, I do want to call out that Cobra Kai is probably one of the best shows on television right now. And to call it a comedy does it a little bit of a disservice because it is also a high school martial arts drama. I get the classification, but I think, yeah, it's, it's really hard to like partition these things the way that they are getting partitioned but Cobra Kai is great and if you have any love for Karate Kid or just martial arts dramas in general you should watch Cobra Kai immediately. Uh, Last week tonight definitely deserved all of its laurels that it got. Uh, It's a great news comedy fusion thing. It's part of my weekly routine whenever it's live. I watch the big segment on YouTube every Monday morning. It's pretty great. I don't watch a lot of sketch comedy, but I don't think SNL needed another Emmy, but I've also only seen a couple skits from the Black Lady sketch show, so I can't really stake a claim either way. And Bo Burnham's Inside is better than Hamilton. There, I said it. Uh, And... So that was from the, the main awards. I'm looking at some of the more obscure awards uh, on, on my other screen right now. A uh, shout out to Love, Death, and Robots for getting an outstanding short form animated programming award because Love, Death, and Robots is really, really good. Shout out to them. Um, let me see. I'll say the thing I want to talk about most for last. So I'll only right. I'll start the segment off by saying congratulations to a very good friend of mine who works on the Nike commercial called "You Can't Stop Us." They won an Emmy, actually. So I have a friend who won an Emmy. And that's pretty cool. Bo Burnham take had me laughing, sir. Because I, <laughs> uh, like one thing you can say between the two of them is that, like, unlike Hamilton, the lead can actually sing. Yeah, <laughs> that is that's not even a hot take. That is just factually true. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is an objective fact at this point. <sighs> but um, as far as my own thoughts and everything go. One hilarious moment for me is I also love Stephen Colbert's late night host. Like, seeing Conan O'Brien get out of his seat and join him on stage that he were part of Stephen Colbert's writing crew. And, like, being <laughs> also nominated for the award, by the way, just gets up and joins the crowd and goes up there for a bit. It's, like, wonderful. I love that. And I'm glad that, like, it went over so smoothly because that definitely, in another room with another person, could have pretty much been, like, little mama walking up on stage during Jay-Z's performance situation. We're like, why are you here? So that was pretty smooth, and I enjoyed that a lot, too. Um, the other Emmy stuff that happened, let's go straight into it. Ted Lasso deserves all the good things, and I'm glad that it highly happened. I even tweeted out, and I think Black Nerd Problems retweeted yeah. this on Monday yeah. morning. Congratulations to everyone who's now going to start watching Ted Lasso. Like, when we're recording this, we have had the 10th episode of season two come out, meaning that we have two more. And, like, I have single handedly gotten, I think my personal account is like four people that I know of to watch Ted Lasso simply by sitting down and watching it with them myself and then just leaving them to it and of course they keep going into it. It's that good of a show, y'all. Now I will say like season two is definitely a season where they're taking like bigger swings based on the trust that they've earned in season one and like most of those hit a couple of them don't hit as well but it's still a wonderful show full of wonderful things that is not really about soccer at all. This is more of a interesting backdrop but yeah like so I think as far as who all won for Ted Lasso so it won for best comedy series which is the most important award and that was awesome so Bill Lawrence and all the writers there got that um and then of course Jason Sudeikis he ended up winning for best actor in a comedy series which duh like Ted Lasso's character I believe is going to be just in the universal language for quite a while going for so I'm excited to see how that all goes 
and Hannah Waddingham. There we go. There's her last name. She won for Perot's Rebecca, which I think, honestly, like, season one, her character was so amazing that while she's had really strong moments in season two, season one was definitely, like, more about her. So, like, she deserved all the awards for that. And also, I'm ultimately happy that Brett Goldstein got to win for Best Supporting Actor in the Comedy Series because, like, have you heard the story about how he got the role yet? He was a writer originally for the series, right? And then at yeah. some point he was just sort of like, who are we going to get to play this dude? Sort of like, and then he just sort of raised his hand. Um, it was actually a little more dramatic than that, but that's kind of the gist of it. At least what he told them when he was on Jimmy Kimmel's show before the awards. Like, we had, as you said, he was definitely a writer on the show and stuff. And like the entire time they're writing out the season one, in his mind, he's going like, I think I'm going to play Roy Kent, who's, by the way, like scene stealer of the show at this point. And he didn't say that out loud, though. So he went ahead and went home and shot his own audition tape of him playing Roy Kent and sent that to essentially his co-workers slash bosses. He's a writer on the show. Like, hey, I did this. If you don't like it, don't say anything. I won't ask. Like, this is very awkward and embarrassing. Like, don't bring it up. Oh, it's fine. And he got on a plane from L.A. back to England. And then when he landed, they sent him a response saying, yeah, I mean, I think we're done here. We don't need anything anymore. We're good. And then he ended up getting the role as Roy Kent, which is apparently the opposite of who he is as a real person. And now he got an Emmy for it. So, yes, people, please bet on yourselves. It's the general moral of this story. But also, what if this is all a fabrication and Brett Goldstein is actually a CGI hologram? Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Because he also addressed that on Kimmel, where, like, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel gave him, like, a glass of milk. Of, like, a CGI person couldn't drink this. So he makes a big dramatic drum roll and tries to do it and everything. But, no, they can make the milk CGI, too, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they can digitally resurrect James Dean, so anything's possible. In any event, I think, I think the Emmys can be summed up as we've always summed up every single award show. This is a great shopping list for things that you should probably add to your watch later queue, and Ted Lasso should probably be very high in the list nowadays. Yes, that all works. And also, I need to watch Queen's Gambit. You, you, you really do. It's, it's sports anime, but just live-action chess instead. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. Like, I, I get Haikyuu vibes from this show. I, I promise you, it's it's worth it's worth watching. You can thank me for Haikyuu. I am I am yes. to Haikyuu as you are to Ted Lasso. Yes, I give you all the credit for that, sir. So as we end every episode, we're going to finish on this episode with a lightning round because not everything that happened in the Nerd News space got a full segment in today's show. We don't have that kind of time. So we like to end things off by going through a few of the top headlines, let you know what's going on out there in the world. So first of all, let's start off by saying rest in peace to actor and filmmaker Melvin Van Peebles, who passed away at 89, and Willie Garson from White Collar and Sesame City, who passed away at 57. Family Guy, in other news, made a PSA about getting vaccinated. And if Peter Griffin is giving health advice, we've reached a new low, people. Please don't get vaccinated. I think that's the official stance of the show at this point. Marvel appears to be in early stages of a very long legal battle with the families of Don Heck, Gene Colan, Don Rico, Stan Lee, and other creators of famous Marvel characters, and such as Iron Man, Spider-Man, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Doctor Strange, and many, many more, because they're trying to fight over the rights of these shows. So we'll see... How this is going to go, we'll be sure to keep you posted on where that goes and develops as time goes on. And lastly, the NFL is a National Football League. It's fielding offers on who will be the next corporation to own the rights to NFL Sunday ticket after DirecTV's contract expires. Reports say that the current options in the lead are Apple and Amazon. The 
liberal person in me says boo capitalism, but the football fan in me keeps thinking about the added convenience of being able to watch my football whenever I want, however I want. So we'll see how that goes. If you'd like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else in nerd news, feel free to tweet us at Black Nerd Problems with the hashtag TVWINN. That was this week in nerd news. Tune in next week for more pop culture news. Once again, I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. And I'm your host, Michael Steider. Have a good week, folks. Talk to you next time with very special guests. <laughs>